Welcome to How to Succeed in Musicals Without Really Trying, a podcast by me, Ilana, and me, Edwin. And are either of us theater experts? Uh, in that armchair kibitzing sort of a, um, variety. Yeah, exactly. We're experts in the way that we've decided we are and now we are. We have no formal background or training in the topic. We're enthusiasts and we both like to talk about it. So, yeah. So, how to succeed in musicals without really trying is going to focus on jukebox musicals. And if you don't know what those are, jukebox musicals is a stage musical or a musical film, but we'll be focusing mainly on stage musicals for the time being, in which a majority of the songs are well known pop music songs rather than original music written specifically for the production. Many jukebox musicals confine themselves to songs performed by one singer or band or songs by one songwriter. And in some cases, the plot is a biography of the artist in question. If that sounds like a Wikipedia definition, it's because I am reading it directly from Wikipedia. The rest of this is going to be fully original, though. So today we are talking about Mamma Mia. Edwin, would you like to explain why we are the nation's leading experts on this particular musical. Why are we? Um, so in um, the, the, the spring of 2019, uh, winter of 2018, um, the sequel to Mamma Mia uh, came out, uh, Here We Go Again. And um, the owners of the book um, for Mamma Mia uh, released it for um, high school plays without um, without actually proctoring it. They, they, they weren't... Um, so a lot of times when you have a high school musical, um, the people who have the um, the music and like and the score for the for the musical and the rights to um, reproduce um, that in a high school play setting um, keep keep rigorous control over it. They only want certain amounts of the um, the musical to be out. And in in the um, in the 2018 2019 season, they basically just let everyone go crazy. So um, all the high school um, uh, music directors basically got a hand on a, a production that was never, ever released before. So, um, so it wasn't like, you know, the fifth time we'd done Annie or, what, or anything like that. It was actually, you know, it, it was a virgin run. And um, they went nuts and, and they flooded the scene with Mamma Mia musicals for the spring of 2019. In the Pittsburgh area, there were, uh, I believe, 15, um, uh, Southwest Pennsylvania, there were 15, um, uh, you know, productions of the musical. And Alana and I went to see them all, <laughs> every single one. <laughs> and then this past uh, winter, or earlier this year, there was another one done at the Jewish Community Center in Pittsburgh. And I went to go see that. So that was like the reprise for me of seeing, of seeing Mamma Mia. We don't want to spoil anything for anybody that's not familiar. So let's back up to the inception of Mamma Mia. Tell us about the origins. Okay. So um, Mamma Mia was, um, so again, so we're, so Alana and I are going to be caught in our first lie. I am also going to be um, referring to Wikipedia for these facts. Um, and so here we are again in Wikipedia. Um, in, 2000, in, in, in 1997, actually, um, there was a producer uh, um, whose name was Judy Kramer, 
and um, she wanted to make a musical based on the the songbook of uh, ABBA, uh, which is a Swedish pop dance group who is um, really mostly active from like 1972 to 1982, about 10 years. Um, she commissioned um, a person named Catherine Jones to to write the book for the musical, and so 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 they had the discography of ABBA. And then they um, wrote 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 a plot around the songs and fit the songs in for a plot. And then in um, uh, nineteen eighty eight, um, a female director named Felinda Lloyd became the director for the show. And in nineteen ninety nine, it was actually debuted for the first time in um, in London, England. So that's yeah, the so, background on yeah, the Mamma Mia, the Mamma Mia production, and it has yes. since been adapted into the film world and become somewhat of a franchise. So let's say the year is uh, 1997, 1998. um, And I approach you and I say, Edwin, I'm obsessed with the music of ABBA. I must put it on a stage and I need a story to go with it. What, What would you pitch just based on that request? Oh, geez. I mean, obviously, you have to have a song title that revolves around the entire uh, musical. Um, me being a male and, and full of testosterone, I, w- I would probably pitch Super Trooper, the Starship Trooper, um, Robert Heinlein uh, classic of, of space marines killing bugs, um, getting, getting like, you know, um, citizenship um, to the songs, to the, to the loving music of ABBA. Oh, interesting. And like when they get it, like winner takes it all. Yeah. Or money, 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 you know, like, uh, oh, you're here for the citizenship. I'm actually a career citizen. I've already been a citizen. I'm fighting. I'm here for money, money, money. Or, you know. Interesting. I would take a very different. See, I guess we're playing into some very gendered roles because I would have gone with a similar romantic concept, but a little bit different Mm because I think it would have been called Fernando um, or conversely fernando and chiquitita which are both names in the abba canon so i think there could have been like a a romance between these two characters and i think maybe they're like on a road trip they're going somewhere and one of them has left a partner and is like beat up about it and that's where songs like one of you one of us comes in um you know, they're looking for, they take odd jobs at restaurants, therefore money, money, money. Um, take a chance on me works, works well for that too, right? Yeah, exactly. Because they don't get together till the end and one of them realizes that. So I think I think I would have gone with something like that. So um, basically what we're saying is that there was rich possibilities for an ABBA adapt. Do, do you think that the original Mamma Mia like setting wouldn't be in Greece? It would have been like in a, an Italian restaurant like to, to play into like a very stereotypical sort of like Italian grandmother thing. Well, here's the thing. We don't need, we don't need even, let's say, you know, the request is only an ABBA musical. It doesn't necessarily need to even use that song. It is one of their top hits, but that doesn't have to be the focus of it. That could just be like a fun catchphrase someone utters. So you could revolve it entirely around that phrase, which Mamma Mia kind of doesn't do. Despite being called Mamma Mia, it's not Italian, um, does not take place in Italy, and that isn't really a phrase used outside of that song. Hmm. 
So I, I mean, think there's a lot more you could have done with their songs. Well, I mean, what if it was the the what if instead of Mamma Mia, the musical was called Waterloo, the the life and times of Napoleon Bonaparte. See, that's worth pitching. And then like jo- Josephine would be like the dancing queen. Oh my God, yes. And Take a Chance on Me is like an election song. Like it's Napoleon campaigning for the love of the French people. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing Me, Knowing You is a breakup. That could be, you know, set. That's the French Revolution happening. That's, you know, Knowing Me, Wanting Freedom, Talking to the Royals, Knowing You, Wanting Power. There is nothing we can do. Sure. I think there's a rich. Winner takes it all is like uh, who's who was the, who was the British guy uh, Wellington or what was who was what's his name? Um, who was who was the other guy in Waterloo? Oh God, I don't know. Uh, I thought it was like this British general. Um, uh, we'll look it up later, um, and we'll see. Call that's, you see, there we go. That's another option. So basically, you know, we as much as some people think that the plot of Mamma Mia is contrived and weird. Look how many ideas we came up with based on the music of ABBA in the span of a few minutes there was a lot you could do with it and so we come to the story being about a woman a young woman um, who's about to get married quite young I should add I think she's about 20 um, and she doesn't know who her father is she has been raised by a single mother who runs a tavern and hotel um, on a very small remote island in Greece she doesn't know who her father is. She finds her mother's diary where she um, graphically or not, not really graphically, but she, you know, uh, explains that she had some affairs 20 years or 21 years prior. And the girl, her name is Sophie, sets out to contact her mother, Donna's three lovers, hoping to figure out who her real father is. So that brings you up to speed with what, Mamma Mia is about and the introduction to the Mamma Mia franchise. Right. And so in Sophie, who's a daughter's name, I, I think the idea of contacting all three um, men in that she found in her mother's diary was that only, the, the one who knew that he was her father would have a chance to reconnect with her. The other two would be like, oh yeah, I'm not her dad, you know, and just throw the throw the invite into the trash right so but yeah essentially yeah all these men get for all over the world all these three men get an invitation and what happens is that they all say yes they all jump at this chance to go to this island um they think that donna sent the invitations and they all want to see her again so we can only imagine what kind of lover donna must have been I mean, if 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 twenty or twenty two years later, um, they basically still can't stop thinking about her, drop everything, and then go back to Greece, then she must have been quite the um, firecracker. See, and we can get into why Sophie is, you know, kind of close as close to an antagonist as the story has, because despite all her mother has done for her, Sophie wants a man she met yesterday, one of the men she met yesterday, to walk her down the aisle, which is a very emotional thing to do for a person. And her mother, who has literally been there for her every minute of every day of her life, she doesn't, she's willing to throw that relationship with her away to have someone walk down the aisle. And I think Skye 
even recognizes that. And he says to her something along the lines of, you know, you don't find yourself by finding your father. That That's not where your identity comes from. Especially, again, she met them yesterday. That person has had no influence on your identity. Well, I mean, but she doesn't know that. I mean, like, from, all right, to defend Sophie, Sophie doesn't know how many of her mannerisms and how many of her, um, her, her quirks might be, like, from her dad. So you're taking a very uh, nature over nurture approach to this. Um, in Sophie's defense. Yeah, in, in Sophie's defense, um, I'm taking a, um, a, a sort of sense of, like, look, you, you, you can claim she doesn't have anything to do with her father, but from Sophie's point of view, she doesn't know what, she knows some things of what's her, what's her mother, but she doesn't know at what, what, what parts of her father that she's inherited, whether it's her eyes, her nose, her, you know, her, the way that she, um, the way she gets depressed when it rains or whatever, you know, what, 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 all those little quirks that you can say, oh, your father's just like that. Oh, you laugh just like, you know, she doesn't know any of that. That's true. But leaving that, leaving that process of self-discovery until the day before your wedding, that's just a recipe for stress for everybody involved. So our difference of opinion on Sophie's place in the story aside, I think we were both in agreement while watching this that the men are truly the most inconsequential part of this story. I do, because it is mostly a mother, because the the guys just sort of come in and they're just wandering around and each, in order to keep the tension high of who Sophie's father really is, because that's where the audience is coming in, they have to give the men equal time. And um, and so you you basically might have uh, someone that you you're rooting for um, to be Sophie's Sophie's dad and possibly um, you know of course the way that this works um, Donna's love interest right so um, the movie itself has to split between each of the contenders uh, for equal time and then and then and then and then go into the dynamic of Donna and um, and Sophie uh, as a mother and daughter and. And because a lot of this is hijinks, right? Uh, Sophie has done all this behind Donna's back. She is, um, she is, she is creating a situation where it was just simply a wedding to this sort of um, weird um, sort of, you know, a comedy of errors. Um, so, so, so there's a bunch of things that are going on. And of course, she and her mother are going to clash because her mother, there's a reason why her mother did not invite or, or talk about her father, or try to find um, a man uh, in in Sophie's life. We can we can agree on the crux of the story and the emotional heart of the story not being about the men at all, really. No, 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 no. The, the men are the men are useless. And after our extensive viewings of the stage musical, we were able to narrow down most of our favorite songs in it so let's take a quick run through through our top five so starting with five we went with does your mother know which i think i have a very specific reason for why this is on my top five it's because originally it's sung by the two men primarily in abba there's two men and two women and it's sung by the men and it's a very condescending song about a woman he's dancing with at the club 
and it's very hypocritical. He's dancing with her, but he's also berating her for being at the club. It has some strong misogynistic undertones to it. And in Mamma Mia, the stage musical and the movie, it's reframed as one of Donna's friends, who's an older woman, um, being heavily flirted with. She has been being heavily flirted with. She has been heavily flirted with by one of the younger workers at the hotel. And she's going like, I'm way too hot for you and you are too young for me. You ain't ever going to get this. And I think that's a really fun take on it that kind of, again, flips, you know, ABBA's story from being one that is much more controlled by the men to being about a musical that is so much more about the women. So I think that's why that for me is top five. And then take it away with number four. Take a Chance on Me was when uh, Rosie is, is another song, which is um, what we call, a, uh, what we've been calling a marquee song, which is a, a sort of a solo. Um, and she she is the second dynamo of, of a threesome of, um, of Donna's um, past um, musical group, uh, singing and dancing group. And uh, she is left alone with um, one, of the, one of the possible fathers. Um, your, your yeah, the one that the one I would, that choose. would choose. And so she basically um, has, uh, she's, she's basically at the wedding, after the wedding, she is um, cleaning up and Bill reveals to her about um, how he is, um, how he is uh, Sophie's father. And she is actually taking this time while they're um, sort of alone and isolated to um, make a overture um to have her as a possible uh, suitor. So instead of, instead of having his eyes on Donna, that, that he should take a chance on her um, and, and, and possibly have a romance on her because she is not as racy as the other Dynamo. She is the more sort of conservative one, sort of, she's, she's a fun aunt. She's not the, she's not the hot aunt. She, she makes her point well because she and Bill get together. So it's a very successful marquee song for her. Absolutely. And then number three is Slipping Through My Fingers, which, I mean, I remember when I first saw this movie with my mom, like when it premiered in theaters, my mom was sobbing. You can like see tears in the eyes of the audience when this, when this song is on, because this is the emotional climax of the story that, again, centers on Donna and her daughter, Sophie. So slipping through my fingers is what Donna sings as she's getting Sophie ready for the wedding, which at this point, Sophie has decided, she has realized really, that her mother is the most, is in fact more important than these men she met yesterday. And her mother will be the the prime, uh, what's the word? That Donna's going to be the one who walks her down the aisle. Yeah, I mean, she. this is the quintessential, like, oh, my baby's all grown up song, right? Yeah, and it's it's beautiful. Um, I think it always brings the emotions out. Um, I think it's not too difficult to sing, but yet, but a good voice really shines when they're singing this song. It can bring a lot of sweetness to it. Um, and overall, yeah, I think it just packs the emotional punch that the story really needs. Remember, again, that we are not judging these songs out of the ABBA catalog. We're judging them as part of the story. I think that needs to be clear. We're not saying these are the top three, top five ABBA songs of all time. We're saying as they're used in the story. 
these are the best songs. So, which brings us to number two. And here is where Edwin and I diverged on our opinion. So you make, right. you make uh, my your case, case first. Uh, for the for the best song is uh, "Winner Takes It All," and the reason why I believe "Winner Takes It All" is it's 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 obvious. It's the emotional hammer song. Um, uh, who is it? Uh, Sam? Is it Sam? Sam? Sam yes. and Donna are sitting alone, and um, and Sam is bitching about how Donna's. Donna is um, kind of trying to cut himself, cut himself out of uh, Sophie's life now that he's here. And Donna just schools him on, on how, what sacrifices that she made on raising Sophie by herself and how, how dare he, um, you know, try to inject himself, you know, at the last minute. Like what, 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 so she's basically saying, look, emotionally winner takes it all this is my daughter this isn't your daughter uh you have nothing to do with this and um yeah and, 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 and it, but she takes an emotional hammer to him like she just basically lays down the law about like work and, and he slinks away at the end of it like he doesn't he has no response he doesn't he has no counter argument like the lights go down on the song and it's over sam has yeah. nothing to say anymore so that, that was, was my your, number one. That was your number one. And then the song that you had as your number two is the song that I had as my number one. So we both agree on the top the the top tier of these songs. Um, but ours are flip-flops. So I think the best song is Super Trooper. Because to me, that, while not being the emotional height, I think is the height of fun and the height of the girl power theme of the musical. So Super Trooper is Donna reuniting with the Dynamos, Tanya and Rosie, um, to perform for the first time in, like, let's say 20 years. And it's jubilant, and it's in service of Sophie. It's at her bachelorette party to make it really fun for her because she's always heard she had a cool mom, but she never, like, really believed it. So she gets to see it. And the Dynamos come out in, like, their full glittery disco suits and the bachelorette party goes wild and it's just such a fun exuberant number and I think it's the first glimpse into that version of Donna that was able to entrance men (laughs) to the level that she did because up until that point in the story we've seen her being very stressed out and she seems nice and all but we're kind of like I mean I kind of like like what did she do yeah I mean think about it your your only is and, and you basically single-handedly built everything up by yourself. Financially, this is an entirely stressful thing, right? You're throwing the, that's, I, I, I mean, I've just gotten married and, I, and it's just, it's just a large chunk of money just basically flushed down the toilet, you know, we're all said <laughs> Great take. No, you're throwing a, you're throwing a massive party and yes, it's great for all your friends and stuff, but like from, but it, I, I, it was okay for me because it was my party. Like you were throwing it for your child. So you just want the best of everything for your child. Um, oddly enough, Sky, who is okay. Again, not in the movie, but in the, in, in the, in the, uh, in the show is this like ex banker who just decided to just hang out. Like, why isn't he like paying for any, any of this shit? You know, it's, 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 <laughs> Because the bride's family is supposed to. Yeah, yeah like right. Okay. 
It's like, la, 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 I just, I'm going to go scuba diving, you know, yay. And then Donna right. is out here busting her ass, trying to, like, fix an entire hotel yeah. while planning a party. Like, yeah. But I think, yeah, exactly. Donna's under a lot of stress. And so to me, Super Trooper is just barely edges out um, the winner takes it all because it's the version of Donna that Sam fell in love with in the first place. So I and think it, that's, and it is a conclusion I think the big for a subplot because um, prior to Super Trooper, um, the, the, the other Dynamos, um, you know, Rosie and Tanya were trying to cheer Donna up because she had this, you know, mortifying, more, yeah, a, a, definitely a meltdown when like three exes show up at your daughter's wedding out of the blue. <laughs> As anyone would. So that's our that's our ranking, and I think you know we noticed while while doing this that we, uh, a lot of people wouldn't have the yeah, same. Yeah, we were, we we made our rankings, and then we were like, uh, let's check the internet to see what other people rank. It's like, whoa, that's completely different. But but we are choosing to pay no mind to that because we are the self identified national exactly. Leading well, experts. I mean, okay. To, to be fair, like musical. some like the one that we just casually like stumbled on, which which is I guess high SEO rankings in Google, basically claimed Waterloo as like number three. It's like Waterloo wasn't even had nothing to do with the plot. It was just it was complete. It's a it's like yeah. the, it's like the post credit song. It's the it's the bow song that they do at the end. So yeah, I don't know what. So yeah, they were ranking it based on ABBA, but again, we are not ranking it based on you know what ABBA songs we would click on on spotify to listen to we are talking about it in context because we are the experts of context here <laughs> the reason why we're starting with mamma mia is um again again we are the experts but also because it set a precedent for jukebox musicals it was one of the earlier ones and it was a smash it is so big that in 2000 and what 17 18 you know they're still making content based on it there is no other jukebox musical of that level so in a podcast about jukebox musicals we really had to start with it it's not necessarily the first but i think it is the most influential and so next week next time we will be <laughs> talking about mamma mia 2 here we go again <laughs> because we are not done talking about mamma mia but then we will venture into some more obscure jukebox musicals. So thank you for joining this episode. And thank you to anyone in our lives that have heard us talk about this musical nonstop for over a year. You're in quarantine. Shout out to all of those people and shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're we're, we're fully planning on guilting everybody we know. So thank you for succumbing to the guilt. Uh, We will see you next week.